Welcome to Get Off the Mic, a hockey podcast by hockey nerds for hockey nerds. Brought to you by the writers from GetOffTheIce.com. Welcome to Get Off the Mic. We got a special one for you today. They said it couldn't be done. And Paul, I'm giving you the heads up. Get ready for this one. There's going to be a bleep because boys, it's going to happen. Oh my God. Why? Today marks something new, fantastic, something rejuvenated, historic even. Aside from Marc-Andre Fleury's career in Vegas, but you know, that didn't really work out. But we're going to, this one's going to, today, for the first time in gaudy history, I, Aaron, also known as Brick, also known as the Oilers guy, the voice of reason on this podcast, and even referred to as correct only a handful of times, will be your host today. It took me weeks of being away, trash talking, and emotional recovery. These playoffs have been hard, but mainly... It's Mac being away, Paul being lazy, Keith and Steve not wanting to host, and then, you know, all of them wanting to see the ship sink, and then with me kind of failing. But you know what? 17 episodes. That's what it took. And they don't ask how. They ask how many. So play the Rocky music, boys, because I've done it. I'm hosting today. So, Justin Bieber said it best, never say never. So without further ado, let's get this podcast on the way. Joining me, the host, Aaron, get used to that. I'd like to introduce to you the Spider-Man fan, the secret gritty mascot because he loves a captain who can't score in the playoffs and the newly appointed Raptors fan who only will be a Raptors fan if Giannis signs in 2021. Paul. Wow. Eugene Melnick fan club president and the diehard 50 and 07 <laughs> supporter. The man who loves caterpillars because he watched Paul McLean coach his team for years with one living over his lip. And the man who does not do a podcast without eating brunch at work for 23 minutes before. Jeez. That was beautiful. Thank you. And finally, finally, the humbled and soft-spoken blue and white critic, the Call of Duty Warzone clutcher, the man who doesn't drink casually, but when he drinks, he likes his nice cold beers by the fire with friends. Steve. I just want to say I regret every decision that's led to this moment. Fellas, it's happening. I know it's not the usual intro Matt gives you with the nice insults. I tried to hype you up and tear you down at the same time, but we're all friends. So... How are we feeling? Is it weird? How, how are we doing today? You know what? I had my doubts, but that intro was something. It was something all right. It was something all right. Buttermead right up. All right. You have like just removed all worries that I previously had. I am so ready for this now. I love the sarcasm, but we're rolling with it. <laughs> <laughs> so we got a lot of hockey stuff today, but we're going to start off with something amazing in the league. We want to find the positives where we can to bring light. And big in the news this week was Oscar Lindblom, the Philly forward. Me, he was returning for me. He was returning to the lineup for everybody returning to the lineup, actually. But played his first game in almost a year after he was diagnosed with Ewing sarcoma, which is a form of bone cancer. He was diagnosed in 2019, so he took almost a full year, which, when he was diagnosed, inevitably was supposed to end his season. But he came back game six against the Islanders, which was a great, great moment. Help them force game seven. And it's just a, it's a great story, honestly. And it leads me to the opening question where, what do you think will happen with the Bill Masterson trophy? Honestly, because we see these great stories this year. We look at Bobby Ryan coming back from addiction. We have Oscar Lindblom who has fought cancer and come back to play within that year and worked his way back. And Stephen Johns who missed 22 months of hockey with post-concussion syndromes. So what do we think? Like, who, who in your opinion, because we never really talk about the awards aside from Vesna and, and Hart and all these main ones where it's just like 
focused on the skill. We never talk about the Masterson. So what do you boys think about who, who, who would you give it to? There's no wrong answer here. But if you had to lean towards the stories yeah. that we know of for the three nominees. So I'd like to start with Keith there. Well, you said it absolutely correctly. There isn't a wrong choice for this award. Every single one of them deserves it. And if they could split it, I'm sure they would. But for me, I'm going to be a little bit of a homer and pick Bobby Ryan. Just the, the, his entire life story and everything that he's had to go through building up to the moment where he was able to come back and score that hat trick and win the game for the Sens. Obviously a meaningless game overall for their season, but still it was just such a great moment. And um, I don't know. It was perfect for me. Paul? Yeah, I, it's hard to argue with any one of them winning. I feel like maybe this award should be changed from a single person just to a group. Right. Like why not just reward all the players that have had to endure tough times, battle yeah, through man. it, and come out on top like everybody like they get acknowledged for being nominated i say screw it just you know let them all have it they deserve it steve i uh, i agree with paul there because like what you're doing with this right now is you're just saying oh your your suffering was worse than everyone else's your recovery was better than everyone else's they all deserve it um if i had to choose i i'd probably lean just a little bit to bobby ryan over oscar lindblom um but that's just because i know the story better Mm-hmm. No, that's completely fair. And honestly, you, you all touched on the point, on the good points. Where, yeah, it should be a group. It should be a group award. That's that was going to be another follow up question I had. So I guess that I can change it a little bit. So how would you say? Because Paul kind of touched on it, where it's a group collective. But we already have the the nominees for. I'm blanking on the award name, but it's the who who exemplifies the best in the community for their team. Um, oh, you, you you know what I'm getting at, yeah. right? So what if we did? What if there was something like that along the way, where it was they they exemplify a league wide? You have, but it has to be like approved, where it's like a, that group award, just like you said. But the team can nominate one person, and then the league can either say these amount of people win it or not. Or is that kind of tearing it away, saying the same thing as we said? These those people who wouldn't win the award aren't worth it. I feel like it needs to be more of a a league wide vote. So no, nobody's nominated for it, really. But people are. I guess that doesn't make sense. No, 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 no. It makes sense. People are, the, the, people are the people put nominated. Forward. They're nominated. Yeah, yeah. but it doesn't right. have to be That's nominated fair. by your team. What, what, what would you think about the player nominations instead of the league? I think that would be a, a better step forward. In the end, I'm not sure if that's if that would that would solve any issues. But I think that would be a good step there, Keith. For me, the first thing that came to mind when Paul suggested it be a group award was something similar to the Golden Glove in the MLB. Mm. Just have it be not necessarily limited to one per team or make it mandatory that every team has to have one. But if you are eligible for it, you receive it. I like that. I like that. Paul, what do you think? I'm just going to stick to my guns. Just make it a group thing. You can nominate the guys you feel best exemplify what the award means uh like perseverance and everything because like how cool would it be if well i don't know if they're gonna do it this year obviously not but in the future when you have the award ceremony if anybody actually watches those things but you see like that group of guys who have done so much to overcome something in their life just standing together on stage being acknowledged i think that'd just be really cool i I like all the ideas that were brought up they're definitely better than maybe what we have now but i'm just gonna stick with it make it a group thing i like that I like that. All right. Group thing. So moving on, focusing on what is the big talk? 
Jeff O'Neill himself made a bet on overdrive that not a single game would go push to a game six. And here we are. <laughs> Three series that went and are going to game seven. Guess who didn't go to game seven? I'm getting there. Oh, my, Actually, my next comment was, it's, it's not a riveting game seven like we had in 2013. Oh, why? But the bright side is Boston is no more. That was I very bittersweet. It was very bittersweet. But I wanted to give Steve and Paul a moment. Just give a nice F you to Boston. And you, Paul already gave his. So, Steve, feel free. I'm sorry. I had to let my cat out of the room. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, let's repeat this. Long story short, Steve, we're saying give a nice F you to Boston. No, they didn't make it to game seven. You know what, Boston? You just weren't good enough. Ooh. Get put in your place. Ooh. Paul, would you like to give another F you to Boston? Oh, that was great. I love it. Okay. Keith, I know you love Boston, but... You know, I'm kidding. You don't love Boston. Actually, can I say one thing? I will will add one thing. Yeah. 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 Boston Boston. fans, shut up. (laughs) Shut up. (laughs) Do not make this about Tuka Rask and blaming him after years of wanting him traded for some unknown reason. He did something for his family. Shut up. Shut up. You lost. You couldn't score. Bye bye. Bye bye. (laughs) I I couldn't have said that better myself. Um, Anyway, Jeff O'Neill, he was wrong. (laughs) So instead, we're gonna, we didn't even get to see Game 7 himself, Justin Williams. That, that was the biggest thing for me, sad. He didn't even get one last Game 7, you know? But needless to say, we got a new Mr. Game 7. Young, Young forward on Dallas. He will rename, uh, remain nameless for this moment. We'll get into that. that because you don't so remember far, his name? Exactly. Because I don't. Nobody, nobody can really pronounce it, but we'll get there. But the question is, throughout these playoffs, what do you guys think? Who's been one player to watch... That's just stood out to you. That's just been. I'm not saying the McKinnons. I'm not oh. saying like the big, the big names. <laughs> obviously, obviously, McKinnon's having an incredible playoff. Had playoff run. Had well, touche. <laughs> Sorry, Nate. The point is, who's somebody's that somebody that is underrated that has stood out to you these playoffs that you wouldn't say, oh, I, I've noticed him before, or I've gone and he stood out to me before, but you've really noticed now. Let's start with Paul. Well, I thought we were going to go down the path of Nathan McKinnon. Obviously not. Obviously this- not. Like quick aside, he was phenomenal. Oh, he was just—he was scoring on Gretzky levels. <laughs> yep. So good. But if we're going kind of the underrated route, underrated. I think it's going to be Anthony Beauvillier. Okay. He's kind of had like a coming out party this playoffs. He was a fairly high draft pick. Took him a while to really kind of get into his own game, but it seems like he's kind of turned it around in the playoffs, and he's made some. Some big plays, some big goals for the Islanders who are not really known for scoring. So having another threat definitely doesn't hurt him. I think he's looked really good these playoffs. Okay, uh, Keith, what do you think? Well, I'm going to split my answer here and give credit to a couple of the Canucks who just absolutely stepped up when they needed to. Thatcher Demko was playing out of his oh, mind. Yeah. Oh my goodness gracious. You cannot ask for anything better for a goalie to come in and play as well as he did. I saw and a then, meme. Sorry, I'm just going to say, I saw a meme the other day where it was like, like it's, it's the Halak of 2012 channeling <laughs> the inner Thatcher Demko. Yeah, that's basically it. And also, Bo Horvat quietly yeah. leading the oh, yeah. playoffs in goals so far. That's yeah. just, they're set up for years to come in Vancouver. I like that. Steve, what do we think? Well, I was originally going with McKinnon too. Then I was going to go with Thatcher Demko. <laughs> <laughs> no, be original. Uh, I guess Quinn Hughes is too too uh, hot of a topic right now too. No, go for it. Yeah, well, Quinn Hughes. Okay, all right. Quinn Hughes has been phenomenal these playoffs. Just from his his 
defensive game, his offensive game, scoring goals and looking like he doesn't know where he is. He's just been on fire. <laughs> I like that. So, Vancouver. So, I'm going to throw one at you guys. Alex Tuck. That kid is disgusting. He already has eight goals and he's playing on their third line. He's another one that's kind of seemed like it's just taken him a little while to come into his own. But it's not even that. Minnesota gave him up for nothing. Oh, well, literally, yeah. Literally said, Vegas, here you go. Here's what will be your, like, I, I, can, I can arguably say this. One of, if not in the game right now, the best power forward in the league. Interesting. I was, like, today. I'm not saying it league-wide when they're all playing, but I'm saying today in the playoffs, every, like, he, he's just been a treat to watch. I don't even watch Vegas to say, oh, my God, there's Mark Stone anymore. I'm watching Alex Tuck. He's just saying something because that play he made last night where he, yep. like, ducked down, got the puck, and just went, whoop, bye. Mm-hmm. And the thing is, he signed at $4.7 million for another six seasons. My goodness. That kid is just amazing to watch. Honestly, like, it's not. It's the mix of the skill. He's also got, like, the Tom Wilson-esque size that hits. Like, he doesn't shy away. Oh, it's, uh, I'm sorry. I'm getting carried away. The point is, Alex Tuck for me. And, boy. and Vegas is going to be a, an amazing team to watch for a long, long time. Can I, throw, can I throw something out there? Go for it. I was thinking about this. Since we were talking about a lot of Vancouver guys and how they're really set up. Mm-hmm. Before the playoffs, it seemed like, like Markstrom coming back was a lock because he was so important to that team and their success this year and moving mm-hmm. forward. Did Demko just steal the show in the spotlight? Like, well. You, you guys are really Cooper? throwing a wrench into my my plan. Oh, are we get, are we gonna get to this later? <laughs> no, it's fine. Just do it now. Let's go. Oh, you already asked it. Because, yeah, like I don't know if you're Vancouver, are you gonna spend? Like he's probably gonna make what at least five, six million bucks to resign Mark. Probably more. Like it's a small sample size, but he looked dominant in that. It's very interesting this season, this off season with goaltenders. Yeah, you're not wrong there. What do, uh, we'll just go around the horn, Steve? What do we think? I think, and this is, it's unfortunate, but I think uh, Markstrom's played himself out of being uh, on the Canucks next year. And not because he's been bad, because they can't afford him now. Yep. Like, they have, I'm looking at their cap friendly right now. They have Tyler Toffoli as UFA. They have four RFAs in uh, Jake Vertanen, Tyler Mott, Adam Gadet, and Zach McEwen. They're not the, the worst. Um <laughs> Not all of them. But and then you have got to re-sign guys next year, too. Yeah, you have to re-sign guys next year, too. You have Chris Tanev, who is only 30, is a right D, he's a UFA, and Troy Stetcher, who's an RFA. And then Oscar Fantenberg, but it's not yeah, too big. No They're in a bit of a cap crunch, and I don't think Markstrom will be back because I don't think they can afford him. For me, i got to imagine that they're cautious not to do what Pittsburgh ended up doing when they lost Flurry to Vegas. Yeah. Like, yeah, you've had this rookie come in and have a ph- phenomenal playoffs and outplay your wildest expectations, but he's still largely unproven. So I think they need to be careful to not give up their sure thing. Yeah, the cap numbers are going to be tight, but the league off or every team has a front office who is capable of adjusting their books or like re-signing and like making moves to make sure that they get the players they want on their team. So I think they got to be careful going forward. Okay, so what do we think about this? If we pull that Marc-Andre Fleury out of the out of the hat, what if they re-sign Markstrom, but then they leave it to him to be picked by Seattle for the expansion? 
So in a sense, in a sense, they're getting rid of that cap by also saying we'll let you go to Seattle to be that starter, but we just want you here to help win now. And then once Demko's proven a bit more, he becomes the starter. That's interesting. That could really, that, you know what? That could work. But you got to also that take him. That would also help because like Pedersen's up in two years as an RFA, and so they got to resign Hughes too. They got to resign Hughes too. But when once they're uh, oh, they're okay. both up at the same time. Yep. Once they they come up though. Hopefully, Mark Strom will have been picked by by Seattle, and, and Louis Erickson's contract will be off the books too. So that'll no, help you. No, nope, that's the year after. Is it? Yep, yep. That's twenty twenty two, twenty twenty three. All right. So you heard it here first. Louis Erickson and Jacob Markstrom going to the Seattle Kraken. Although uh, Brandon Sutter and Tanner Pearson will be off by then, and that's about eight million dollars. Well, that's one of them. Yeah, honestly, like that, it's going to be interesting to see what they, what happens. The goalies have been a hot topic, not even just the Vancouver goalies, but goalies in general in the playoffs, right? They've been something to talk about. But we'll get to that. We'll get to that. So we're going to look at the series, how they've been doing, what happens, what to look forward to. But i just like to say one thing. We know the West final, Dallas and Vegas. Excited? Yes, no. Quick yes, no. Keith? Yep. Steve? Yeah, I guess. Paul? Half. Half. Yeah, That's more where I am, yeah. I really wanted to see a Vegas-Colorado final. Or yeah, that would have been That's fair. That's I'm, fair. I'm pretty bummed about that. All right. That's fair. I, I, don't, I, I think everybody knows this, but is, is it just crazy to me that in three years of Vegas being in the league, they have two division championships and have been to the West final twice with the potential to go to the Cup final twice? I hate it. I love it. I think it's good Not for the sport. Be- yeah, like I love it, but I hate it. It's like, it's, it's, it just makes me wonder what's going to happen with Seattle now. Like we just touched on that, but I don't know. I don't think it's going to oh, be the same. I think really? teams, hopefully, teams have learned their lesson to not give away good players to protect players who are not good. Yeah. It's <laughs> logical, but I don't think Seattle's going to have that same benefit. I think it's going to be harder for Seattle for sure. Yeah, yeah. yeah I think with Vegas, teams were trying to get too cute with it, trying to get too smart, and then yeah. it just ended up always biting them. I think they also underestimated George McPhee. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. He got some great, great players there. Like we mentioned, Alex Tuck. Florida. He got Chase, Chase Theodore, Jonathan oh. Marsha. So, like, he did really well. But anyway, that's we'll, we'll see what happens with Seattle. Stay tuned. 2021, Gotti. We're looking at first at the Vegas Canucks series. So, Vegas ends up taking it. This is something I've been dying to talk about and I wanted to get to first because nobody saw the Canucks pushing seven games because everybody saw Vegas as his powerhouse. And I originally was going to ask, the main thing was the goalie controversy, obviously, Leonard and Flurry. And I was going to say, if you were in DeBoer's shoes, who would you have chose? But really, there's no wrong answer because they both played phenomenally. But I put this in our group chat last night, and I'm hoping whoever's listening saw this. Did you guys see that Leonard save? Cross crease back door, just slashing the leather. I saw people talking about it. I haven't found a clip of it, though. Yeah, I saw it, and I saw a tweet saying that save was so nice, Babcock just got fired again. <laughs> I loved it. Oh, I I can say this. I stood up. I'm not a Vancouver fan, mainly because my roommate was for three years, and I I, I don't like Vancouver just because he did, and I'm very petty like that. But, but <laughs> nice. I but I stood up and I literally applauded. I could totally see you doing that because even though it wasn't, it was against Vancouver. It was just one of the nicest saves I've ever seen. Like, like Leonard Leonard. Simply to me, I was confused why they've been starting him until that save. 
he was a rock for these guys in the series. And it's a deadly tandem. Like it, we've, it's shown with Flurry and Murray in the past, right? You need that tandem to run to get deep in the playoffs. You can't rely on that one guy because there could be that inconsistency. But then we all already said Demko. Look at how that works with Markstrom being their number one shutout performance. And that was a the, the, the rookie holder for most saves in a shutout playoff game. Are you like, telling me Hutchison didn't do that job? Nope. What? Who could have seen not. that coming? Paul, you're ruining my uh, my, my timeline here. Just like you're jumping, just like calm down. Wow, we're like on the same page here, say. Okay, just like, just like, yeah, yeah, we're good. Just, just, just hold off. Just okay. hold off. Okay, okay. Anyway, back to it. This kid is amazing. Demko, Leonard, Flurry, Markstrom. We're not even going to go into the other series for the goalies yet. But like, what are we again? We talk about defense. Defense wins championships. Can we change that to like goaltending wins championships? Yes. So. Like my, was, my, go ahead, go ahead. Sorry, I was talking with Mac about this last night, and Ew, he out, yeah, I was talking with the trader about this last <laughs> night, and he started pulling out uh, some some stats that he he'd seen Nerd. about Demko's performance in these playoffs. Okay, let's hear it. Uh, basically, he said in the in his small sample size relative to everyone else's sample size, he's had a larger impact on the Vancouver Canucks than say Nathan McKinnon has had on the Colorado Avalanche. Wow. In those three games, he outperformed McKinnon in however many games he's played. Not only that, his uh expected saves above average is something like nine. Yeah, it was something crazy. It was like nine point seven or something. Yeah, which is well above the the uh, uh, any anybody's from from the the regular season or in a while. Like that's, that's he's crazy. just been unreal, and definitely probably the only reason that Ve- or, uh, Vancouver st- stuck around as long as they did. <laughs> Heath, you want to touch on that? No, I think Steve covered it pretty well. Just I, I've got some stuff to say when we go back to goaltending wins championships or not. <laughs> Well, you can hey, just go on it. Go on it. We're just talking about goalies right now and how incredible it is. Like again, Steve just said it. Without Demko or e- even just goaltending for Vancouver, I don't see them pushing seven games. So go ahead, just all right. In. Well, the whole thing is you're saying goaltending wins championships, and to Steve's point, Thatcher Demko, unbelievable performance. One of the great performances we've seen in recent history. And I don't think we'll see a goaltending performance as good as that in years to come, but Vancouver's out. They got eliminated. They're not going to win the championship. So I don't see how we can say that goaltending wins championships when we have this unbelievable job and now they're just done. Can I I build off that? Oh, this is what I wanted. Let's go back and forth. Let's hit it. So, I wasn't watching the game last night until about the end of the second period when the trader told me to turn on the game. Vegas is out score out shooting uh, Vancouver like 25 to six or something through two periods, but it's still zero zero. You can't win a game if you don't shoot the puck, if you don't have the puck. And yet, Leonard did have that save, but that's what Thatcher Demko's been doing too. He's been making those saves. You can't, it's not just goaltending, it's defense. It is, most importantly, offense. And that, I completely agree with that. Like, it doesn't matter 
to Vancouver if they had Demko playing out of his mind last night or if they have late career Ryan Miller who struggled with everything. You don't score, you can't win. Exactly. Oh, that's a good concept. The late career Ryan Miller that struggled with everything. I don't that, know why he was the first one that came up. He just did. I'm sorry. It, 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 it worked perfectly. I, I loved it. But the big, um, like the goalies were huge. But the big, big, big news out of Game 7, not even big news, the big storyline, another hit to the head, another game misconduct, Ryan Reeves. Did you guys see those that hit? Yeah, that yeah. was dumb. Yeah. What do you think? Did, was it just a follow-through? Was it intentional? Should he have gotten the, the, the full game? What do, what do you think here? I think it's the right call. Yeah. Well, yeah, I don't know if it's going to require any further discipline, even even if it's like a one-game suspension or a fine, it didn't look to me as like the dirtiest hit. And it didn't seem to be a lot of malice with it. It's just, it was very, it definitely careless. was a penalty. It was careless. Careless is the word, yeah. Yeah, it, again, it didn't, it looked awful because of the shoulder to the jaw and the head snapping. But Ryan Reeves isn't the type, like he didn't leave his feet. He didn't do anything where it was just intentionally dirty, I don't think. Like like you said it perfectly, there was no intent or malice. I believe he but, does have a hearing, though, this morning. Okay. Or coming so, up anyways. Well, I'd probably get... If he has a hearing, then that's what? Minimum of one game? Probably. Yeah. Uh, isn't it a hearing you can be suspended for more than three? If it's uh, I think person? that's in person. Okay. Yeah, I think it's in person, though. <laughs> I wonder how that changes with COVID, though. <laughs> yeah, yeah, seriously. Zoom call. Join him in on the Zoom <laughs> She joins the gaudy Zoom call, boys. have been, uh, been suspended. But yeah, so Vegas, moving on. Game seven. All right, so looking at the abs and the stars, this was easily the best series to watch for me. Ben Bishop not playing, though. Just I, He was in one game, out the next. Kudobin was in. For whatever reason, Bishop was deemed unfit to play. It just kind of left me confused as to how he was back and then gone. But Dallas's offense and that Heiskanen and McKinnon and McCall, oh my God, that, that was just amazing for me to the last buzzer. So, and remember that nameless guy we mentioned earlier that nobody's, he, nobody can pronounce his name? Yeah, the Stars took that, that series. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you got it. You got it. The OT winner, capping off the hat trick, Joel Kivy Hattrick. That's what I'm calling him now. Kivy Hattrick. <laughs> Kivy Ranta, yeah. He capped it off, man. And he's the first rookie in NHL history to score a hat-trick in Game 7. So, Dallas moving on to play Vegas. But we already said this. Holy McKinnon was on a tear. It's not often that you're spoken about with Wayne Gretzky in the same sentence, but he was because he, he was on that projected pace to, what was it, tie and or beat or come close to it for the first time. He was, he was on the same pace as, as Gretzky, yeah. Yeah, that's crazy. Like, you don't you – don't, ever hear people compared to Gretzky in a sentence and for his records to be broken or even thought about just incredible but it was clear to me like Colorado was missing Landis Gog in game seven he didn't play uh ended up having Colorado coming just short so what happens from here what Colorado looking forward they are a contender they have the pieces but what happens here they got pieces like Byram coming up they got they've locked up their core for a few years so what do you think why can't they get over that hump is Michael I, Hutchinson not their cornerstone cornerstone goalie? I love Hutchinson. <laughs> I think I think that's entirely it. I think it's just that uh, was Francis hurt? Yeah. Was, so Francis and Grubauer were hurt. Yeah. I think it's just that they were playing their third oh. string goalie, who's Michael Hutchinson. 
Was Prietsu's hurt? I don't know. Or, I don't remember ever hearing lit it. Up. I think he just got lit up. Yeah. Yeah, no. Well, still, if Grubauer's no, in, completely yeah. different series. Yeah, because we were talking about how important it was to have, like, two goalies in this playoffs, and it seems like we're seeing that more in this year than any years past. Because you look at, we said Vegas, they have Flurry Leonard. Go with either one, you should be all right. Markstrom, Demko, same thing. Bishop, Kudobin. Kudobin's really stepped up. Colorado just does not have that. They don't have a confident backup. I don't think France uses it. Hutchison is definitely not it. So I think moving forward, they're going to they're gonna look for another goalie. But I think that's all that cost them this series. Sorry, I cut you off. Keith, go for it. Yeah, I got to agree with everything Steve and Paul have said so far. And they're definitely going to be a contender for years to come. There's no reason for them to not run it back. I'm a little concerned about their defense, though. They don't seem to have the right pieces there, at least. Plus, they've got two UFAs coming up and two RFAs. So it's going to be really hard to uh, build the right defensive core right now for them. So you're saying Tyson Berry's going back. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> that's for, that's for, we'll see in free agency. All right. When, when is McKinnon up? Uh, McKinnon next up year. 2021, 2022. No, he's got an oh, extension. No, no, that's Landacoff. Yeah. Oh, McKinnon 20, doesn't have an extension. McKinnon's not up till 2023, 2024. Uh, no, he's got three. And, oh. and he's already been on the record of saying he'll take less money again to stay there. That's wow. 6.3 million. Oh, my God. Yeah. yeah. But, like, we'll also give the best deals in the league. Yeah. Oh, 100%. Absolutely. Easily. And they're saying they might go after Petrangelo because they have the space, Taylor Hall. Like, that's an attractive place for free agents. Is. Colorado could I, probably spend a little bit more than what most teams might because they have the cap space in a dead cap era right now. It'll be interesting. They, they only spent $76 million this year. Yep. So, like, imagine wow. adding a Petriangelo and still had a five maybe like a Taylor Hall. Oh. Whoa, 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 whoa. You're saying adding Michael Hutchinson <laughs> and for the potential of adding Tyson Berry won't win them the cup. Yep, worked with the Leafs. All right, oh, Paul's hot, Paul's okay, hot I just, take right there. Paul's hot I, take. I just want to say this too. I'm on their cap friendly. They have 2.75 in Tyson Berry coming off this year, 1.5 in Brooks Orpic, uh, oh, yeah. and <laughs> 2.6 in Colin Wilson. And that's just players that didn't play this year. Wow. On top of their 5 million. So then if they, they are golden. So if, so if Berry goes back to Colorado, then are they technically re signing him? Why are you doing this? <laughs> I just I want to I want to cause the storm. No, know? it's 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 retained salary. <laughs> yeah, I know. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. So yeah, that that they are in a really good spot. And I think we talked about this in the past, where we I I think we all thought Taylor Hall going there would be a great fit, and Taylor Hall even said he's willing to take less money to win a cup. So imagine he takes yes. less oh, to try and leaves. chase it with the Avs, and then oh, <laughs> no, 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 no. But, but yeah, with all that being said, sorry, Aaron. Like, also, give credit to Dallas. Yeah, they played a great series. Nobody thought they could score. They did. Like, sure, it might have been on the second and third string goalies for most of it, but you know, they they played well. As our great host said, they don't ask how; they ask how many. Exactly. Exactly. Keep okay, butt liquor. Ah. <laughs> 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 uh. This is the content we love here at Gaudy. They do have a right. lot of people up, though. That's one, two, three, yeah. four, five, six RFAs and four UFAs. 
not including UFA yeah. hotshot Michael Hutchinson. Michael Hutchinson. Well, I guess we're going to have to do a gaudy live reaction to uh, or a gaudy live podcast all day. Free agency. We'll see what happens. <laughs> stay tuned for that. It'll Seven hours. Dawn till dusk. <laughs> <laughs> Featured James Duffy 2.0. <laughs> Fine. <laughs> Sorry. All right, moving on. Tampa, Boston. We're going to go, we're going to do this one quick because we don't want to give Boston too much of our time. Tampa was looking okay without Stammer, but obviously it's a huge piece that they're missing. But point, absolute monster. This guy took over the series. To be honest to me, he's been the best player on Tampa without a question. I, I, I don't know. What do, what do we think is coming from Tampa? I don't even want to look at Boston because their depth, the, their top line was great, right? But what do, what do we think? Was Boston's top line enough? No. So what do they do? Um, what do you mean, what does Boston do? Like, yeah, what does Boston do? What does Boston do? Well, they're losing Shara, probably. I think he oh, came out and said he wanted to stay. Yeah, he did. That was my next point. Because Chara came out in the media. Big Z. Big Z with the big D. Said he wants to come to Boston because he still believes he can contribute to their team's success. And then followed up, David Krejci went to the media and said, their core, quote-unquote, core players have another only one- to three-year window and their time is closing. So I can see that. With Big Z as a UFA, and Tory Krug openly said he's not willing to take any short-term deals or any discounts to stay there again. Do you think Big Z is the answer, or do you think that they spend that money on Tory Krug? What do you think happens? Big Z think, isn't what he used. Oh, sorry. sorry. Go ahead, Keith. I think that Chera is probably going to resign, but if it's between him and crew, you got to choose crew. You can tell Chera, it's like, yeah, we'll resign you, but you're not who you used to be. You're not making the same type of money. He's yeah, one year deals, hasn't he? He has been, but he's been signing for a good amount of money, hasn't he? It's been like four or five million, six million. Wasn't it one year, like a one year, six million, like two years ago? I think that sounds right, yeah. I'm not sure. Yeah. Like he's eating up some cap. He's not he's not obviously like the seven million dollar defenseman, but he's still eating oh, cap though. He was two years this year. Or two, two million this year. Okay, that's not terrible. Yeah. So I think but, if he signs for that or less, then it makes oh. sense for Boston to stick with him. Like he still was a serviceable oh. defenseman in certain scenarios. Obviously he can't play close to thirty minutes a night anymore. Mm-hmm. But like he still five has million. a role. He was five million last year. That's what I mean. Oh, that's disgusting. No. Like, so, he's invaluable in the playoffs because he gets away with everything. Yep. He's but, not what he used to be. People turnstile him all day long. He's got that long reach, but there's only so much he can do with it. Put him on the penalty kill and you'll be fine. $5 million penalty killer. That, that would be nice. $5 million penalty killing goon. Yeah, seriously. But then we look at... What Krejci said, they only have a one to three year window. But who would you establish? But who would you establish as their core? Krejci, Bergeron, that's getting up there in age. Chara, Marshawn, a little bit. But Pasternak's young. Still, yeah, I'd put Marshawn in that core. Like you could for put, sure. You could, like out of those, like when they say the core, like I only think those guys. Like, like nobody, because the rest of their team they, is pretty young. Clifton, DeBrusque. I don't know why Clifton was the first guy to come to mind, but. Like they got rally. Yeah. Like they got rat. We can put Rask in there. Sure. But they got some young pieces. So do they retool or do they just blow it up a year early? Because they're, realistically they're not beating Tampa and they could get ahead of it and get ahead of everybody else in the East. Cause the East is finally coming up. Do they just get I, ahead of it? 
I'm starting to wonder if they even re-sign Chara because can they afford it? They have DeBrusque as a UFA or RFA. Uh, that's a good question. I'm they have sure. Andre Cash and Nick Ritchie coming up as RFAs next year. Yeah, so they're they're in a tricky spot. But Boston, Matt honestly, their core is getting up there. It doesn't look like they, they are a powerhouse in the, in the East without a doubt. But I don't know if this core has what it takes to win it again, in all honesty. So the question will be, what do they do? They have a lot of people coming up. I think there's definitely merit to blowing it up a year early than a year late. Like if you start making guys like Bergeron or Marshawn available on the trade market now, yep. you're going to get way more from the, from other teams currently than, say, in a year and a half when their plays decline. Yeah, they can get another bunch of first-round picks and blow up those too, and then everybody will be happy. Here's here's my thing. Marshawn ha- is signed till he's 37 at $6 million, $6.1 million. Not terrible. The age is awful. Yeah. Patrice Bergeron is 35, signed for two more years. David Krejci is 34, signed for one more year. Like, when you're core is that old and no offense your young players aren't the best <laughs> something's wrong something's rotten in there what are you do you think they're just rewarding those players at this point i think they are but i think it's going to start hurting them patrice bergeron that's not what he used to be he's not the perennial no. uh what's that uh what's that trophy? So he's, not, he's not the perennial selkie winner anymore david Krejci is good but he's not 7.25 million good yep well, I guess we're all hoping what everybody's thinking, if you're listening to this. Boston, blow it up, blow the picks, and then we'll all be happy. Yeah. Unfortunately, Paul stepped away because there's somebody at his house. But he would have loved to rip on Boston. His loss, our gain. Philly Islanders, moving on. It's, it was seen as the Who Cares series, right? Nobody really thought anything of it. It was, oh, it's just another one on TV, and we don't really care. But it was actually a really interesting series. And it's still going. Another game seven. But let us count the days. Say our blessings because Claude, Captain Claude, finally scored his first goal of the playoffs between our last podcast and now. He just and we can't, scored? Yep. Oh, my and God. Don't, and let's not forget the $7 million man himself, James Frederick Van Riemsdyk, the brother of the more successful Trevor more so known as the guy in the press box eating all those chicken wings, also scored his first goal of the playoffs. And he finally drew into the lineup for more than one game in a row. Philly looks like they woke up. I'm excited for Game 7 tonight. So if you're not listening, yep, we're recording for the Game 7. The Isles, to me, were the best coach team in the National Hockey League this year. And it's shown. Like, it's, it's evidently shown. They don't have a huge star-studded team. Look at their bottom six. Like, that bottom six should not be an NHL bottom six, but they make it work. However, to me, coaching can only get you so far. Everything just looked so right for the Islanders, and now everything's just looking so right for Philly. I see them making the comeback in Game 7. I'm no, I'm no Bobby Margarita with the predictions, but who would you put your doll hairs on tonight? I'm putting mine on Philly. Um, he's young, he's inexperienced, but I'm not betting against Carter Hart. All right, I like that. Keith? For me, I've just got a gut feeling that it's going to be New York coming out of this one. Big Game Pajot will be coming out tonight. He's going to take it home. Big Game Pajot goes right back to his Ottawa roots. I love that. Paul, who do you think? Oh, wait, you're not your mic. Cool. I think it's going to be the Islanders. I hate to say it. 
I want a Philly Tampa. Philly Tampa Eastern Final. I know. I had Philly going to the finals <laughs> in my bracket too. They look that good in the round robin, but I don't know. They just this series they just don't seem to have it. Are we are we gonna do like cup predictions from this final four or final five, I guess? Hey man, you wanna go for it? Go for it. We'll do, I think it's we'll Tampa. Do, we'll do a hot take. One cup. I think it's Tampa. Tampa? Yeah, you they just what? they're just they're they're almost like what they were in the regular season last year. Damn. And that's scary. That is scary. Without Stamkos. Without Stamkos too, yeah. Yeah. Yep. What do you think, Paul? I don't know. I think hot take. It's supposed to be quick. Let's go. Vegas. Yes. All right. Keith. Give me Vegas versus the Islanders. Wow. All right. That's just boring. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to go off the board here. I'm going Dallas. Winning the cup? Yep. All right. So at least I'm not the only delusional one. <laughs> the reason. You're all Leaf reason. fans. Of course you're delusional. <laughs> oh. point, good point. Good point. The reason I say Dallas is just like their offense just looks like it's some. It's like the juggernaut they wanted it to be. And their defense is just working. Just working. Heisken is just like I, I can't go against them. I, I can't. Anyway, yeah, I'm delusional. Dallas, it is. So we focus on the playoffs for a bit. Let's look outside the playoffs. Huge news. Absolutely huge news out of Montreal. Big trade last week. They traded a third round pick and a seventh for Jake Allen from the St. Louis Blues and a seventh. So the sevenths are washes. So it was Jake Allen for a third round pick. Allen's making $4.3 million next year to be Carey Price's backup. What do you think? So you just confirmed Carey Price still on the team. And unless there's been other big changes to how many goalies you can play at once, I don't really understand this trade from Montreal's end. You understand it from St. Louis's? Absolutely. Oh, it's it's definitely a sign that they're going to try and re-sign Petrangelo with that money. Perfect. And but you it, can get picks for it, so why not? Yeah, it doesn't make sense. So I think what they were hoping for, correct me if I'm wrong, was just somebody to take some of the load off Carey Price. Yeah. Yep. That, that's possible. But why would you pay a third-round pick for an essential cap dump? That's what's I, I'm completely fine with them going out to trade for Jake Allen. Maybe it'll work because they haven't had success with their backups in the past, and a new change of scenery will, for Jake Allen will work. But a third-round pick for a goalie that's already overpaid, it's not a bad price, but you could have done so much better. I don't I kind of like it. All right, let's, 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 get, let's get that. Come on, let's hear it. Why? Well, because, like you said, the whole reasoning behind it was they've never had a competent backup Carey Price has been leaned on way too much, and it's it takes a toll on him. You can tell he's broken down. Um, when he's rested, he looks phenomenal, but he's playing so many games that he just gets hurt all the time. So having someone to back him up that can actually you know, you know give you a chance to win, and I think Jake Allen can. This year he's played actually really well. I think they said, you know what, we'll take a flyer on this guy. It's a one-year deal. They have the cap space. Why not? The thing with the third-round pick, though, is... You know, they have so many. I don't think it's the worst. Maybe they were paid a little bit, but I don't mind that. Keith? I don't know. It still seems like they paid way too much for this, and especially with all the goalies that are going to become available on the market this offseason, I feel like if they waited it out, they could have gotten price relief without giving up a third-round pick and taking on that much salary. Yep. Yeah, I'm with you guys on this. I, I always respect what Paul has to say. But I like, I'm not saying you're wrong. It's just... 4.3 is a lot for a backup for me. 
I don't care who your starting goalie is because now if you look at their their tandem and net, that's almost 15 million tied up there. And Montreal, yeah, they beat Pittsburgh. Okay, so if you're looking at it from a Montreal perspective, you want to go out and compete. Let's say you want to go after a big-name free agent, Taylor Hall. Let's just throw his name out there because that's been rumored for God knows how long. That's $4 million of your cap that you just gave away to Jake Allen instead of Taylor Hall. And for him to be a backup, no less. And a backup. I think the problem is nobody wants to go to Montreal. They've had this issue for years. So, like, are you going to be able to attract a decent backup to go play behind Carey Price? Are you going to be able to go out and get a number one center or a Taylor Hall? Curtis McElhaney went to Tampa. He was the best backup. But that's also why you have to bring up goalie prospects. Yeah, absolutely. They've banked way too hard on Price for way too long. Zach Vucali, let's bring him back. Ugh. I don't know. Montreal's, I, it's interesting. It's, you can always look at moves from the outside and say we don't understand. But yeah, St. Louis's perspective, they get a third-round pick. They get $4.3 million in cap. That's a no-brainer for them. Because now, like Keith said, they're going to go and try and re-sign Petro. They got to make one more move for that to happen. We'll see what happens. But I, I'm just I'm, I'm left questioning a lot of things. Bergevin has made some good moves. This one just left me scratching my head a little bit. That's very fair. Sums up his tenure. <laughs> yeah, but I also wouldn't say that to his face because he looks like he goes to the gym every day and could probably crush me with a little pinky. But anyway, oh, he probably could. Moving on, Florida new GM Bill Zito. I, to be honest, do not know too much about him, but he's replacing the tenure GM of Dale Talon, that spent the last decade in Florida. Zito is a former NHL player agent, actually, who also served as the senior VP of hockey ops and the assistant GM in Columbus. Again, don't know too much about him, but I remember when uh, Edmonton and Toronto and everybody was looking for their new GMs, and it was, it was rumored. I heard Zito's name out there. So big congratulations to Zito for finally getting a shot. What do we think? Is, this, is it long overdue for the culture change in Florida? Not even Zito, but the culture change. Was this the first of many moves to come? They got Q, Coach Q last year. Now, what is he, the highest paid coach because Babcock is no longer being paid technically on the books? What's going to happen? What is like, are they going to make trades? What's, what's the best move for Florida now? What's the best thing Zito could do? Let's, let's start with Keith. Well, you're putting me on the hot seat with this one. Um, if you were to just pick one thing you think Florida should do, not even just go out and trade for somebody, not just like one thing, do you think that this is A, a good culture move and it was long overdue, and what do you think Florida does from here? The one thing that I think they should do, I guess, is get someone on defense to help out Aaron Ekblad. Like, you look at their defense, you got Ekblad and then Yandel, Strawman, Michael Masson. And it's just sort of like, who is going to be making plays on the back end for them? Like, their forward group is pretty good when you look at it. Like, Huberto and Barkov are starting first line on most teams in this league. So if they could get some help on defense, I think they're going to be a lot more of a contender than they have been in recent years, which, you know, isn't saying much, but still. And as for their culture, I don't think any of us know really enough about Bill Zito to say what kind of changes he'll bring in that regard. But like anything that can get them up into a winning mindset can get them to be, I don't know, more competitive in the East is going to be an improvement. Steve. I think just given Dale Talon's recent history with Florida, what he gave up to Vegas um, and all that, I think this is a good move culture-wise. I think I think you'll have a bit more stability and 
sound minds in leadership. Sorry, that's a bit harsh, but uh, <laughs> as for what he should do, I think you immediately get rid of Bobrovsky in any way you can. Take a chance on the goalie for, uh, free agent market. It's unreal this year. Take a chance there. Bobrovsky is too inconsistent so for $10 gonna, million. Dollars. I'm going to ask you a question, and then I'll throw it to Paul. You have Bobrovsky signed long-term. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Would you bring up Spencer Knight as the backup next year? See how he plays, take a flyer, and then maybe trade Bobrovsky next offseason. Because Who's next offseason. That's the thing, yeah. That's the hard part. That's the thing. But you don't know. I, like, or at least oh, look at the market. Give him another year. Because it technically was his first year in Florida? Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, you know, but this new, has been Bobrovsky's entire, his entire career. He's either phenomenal or Highly horrible. Yep. Yeah. Oh, what do you think? So the thing with Zito is, like, again, I don't know too much about him either, but from what I've read and heard, he has he has a connection with Bobrovsky having worked for Columbus. So I think he's definitely going to give him a chance. I don't think he's going anywhere. And he's been regarded as this hockey mind. So I think Florida, weren't they one of the teams that went, like, very analytics the last couple of years? I think they're very analytical, if that's a word. So maybe this kind of freshens it up. Maybe he gives them a new look, a new personality. Because Florida needs an identity. And you look at their team on paper, it doesn't look that bad. Like he said, the forward group's pretty good. The defense, yeah, it needs some work, but it's meh. You know, Yandel, Strahlman, not too bad. And then Bobrovsky, you would think, good goalie. So it's like every year I look at that team, I'm like, you know what? They could make some noise. And then they just suck. So maybe this is just he comes in, uh, gives them a fresh look, a new identity. Yeah, it's, I don't think sucks the word, but they just play in a stacked division, right? Oh, like they're they playing, suck, behind, dude. Uh, we'll see. We'll see what happens next year. Changing kind of to a different kind of aspect. So Bill Zito hired as GM, different GM, Jim Rutherford. He's been really out there in the media. He's been publicly not. I don't think scrutinizing is the word. But, like, he's been very vocal that he's not happy with where his team's at, right? He's very vocal with, that he doesn't like with where his team's at. He said he doesn't think that the team's going to be bringing back Matt Murray. They're going to try and move on from him. They're going to try and move on from Jack Johnson. Oh, then no. He, Jack Johnson ain't going nowhere. But, clear. but he also <laughs> just came out and recently said that the team's going to move on from Justin Schultz. Do you like the way that he's going about just publicly stating that where the team's at? Do you think that's the right move, or should he be keeping this more, more internally? Because to me, if I'm a player, and I'm hearing that my GM's talking about it's not even as a player on the team. I don't want to go to a team where the, the GM's talking about me in the public. Oh, what do you think? I don't, see, I don't hate the fact that he's openly discussing that, you know what, I'm not happy with how the team finished, where we're at right now, we need to make changes. That's fine. I think more GMs should do that. Instead of giving the stupid cookie-cutter response of oh you know if we just had a couple bounces we'll be back next year blah 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 the fact that he's calling players out like that that's not cool man like you don't have to be happy with certain guys but don't say outright like yeah we're done with this guy he'll be gone that's taste right yeah that's that's where i have the problem steve what do you think i completely agree i think it's a very classless move and (laughs) Like I, I, I'm echoing what Paul is saying. If I'm a player, I don't want to go to a place where where the GMs openly criticizing every pl- 
player, like players and saying like, this guy wasn't good. He's not coming back. Like talk about just adding on to your, to your stress of actually being a hockey player every day. Yeah. And like, especially with like Justin Schultz, I'm not saying he said the right thing, but Justin Schultz was there. He's a big part of that team. Don't say that. But Matt Murray is even more questionable because he won you a cup. Like he was phenomenal in the, one of those playoffs and you still have control of him. And now teams are calling. You think they're going to give you their best offer after you said we don't even want him anymore? How does that make sense? Keith, what do you think? Yeah, I was actually going to bring up exactly what Paul just mentioned, that it's not only a terrible idea in terms of player relations for your team to talk about them this way in the media, but also just from a strategic standpoint, it doesn't make any sense to let other teams know this publicly. Yeah, we do not want this guy. Like, you're not going to be able to get a, like even half the value you could have if you were playing it close to the best. Like to me, to pull from another sport, the gold standard of team building is Bill Belichick on the Patriots. And he says nothing about his players and whether or not he wants them to come back to the media. It gives him so much more power that way when he's dealing with other teams. Like nobody knows what's going on inside his head and what he personally thinks about how each of his players fit on his roster. I... It's hard to, to say. Like, Jim Rutherford, he won them cups. Like, like he, he built and drafted very well. But the but thing is, what he drafted, he ended up trading. So where, it's hard to say where Pittsburgh goes from here. But in the media especially, again, we all said it. We don't look at GMs and think, oh, yeah, it, it's great when they talk about us in the media. We don't want to be the center of attention. We would never want to be the center of attention, right? But, but he does make good moves. You got to give it to him. Phil Kessel, he went out, yeah, like Toronto aspect. But Phil Kessel was the MVP of that Stanley Cup run. Yep. Without a doubt. Deserved it. He fit in very nicely in their top six. He but, made Justin Schultz. Hold on. But he, I'm, I'm not, hold on. He, I'm just saying, moves wise, like he has built a good roster. And it's, it's only recently I've ever heard Jim Rutherford in the media saying publicly that, about his, his roster. He makes good. He even just went out and got a new head coach to be his assistant. Todd Reardon just got let go by Washington. Hired him less than a week later. But where does it go from here? That's the question Pittsburgh's going to have to answer. Because if they're going to keep publicly calling out their players, Crosby and Malkin only have a certain window left. Just like Boston, like we mentioned, who's going to want to go there to help them get their next cup to finally fill that window, finish that window off? If the GM isn't supporting the players, and maybe the next move would be. Jim Rutherford moves on. That's something to think about. It's the same thing as Florida. Dale Talon was there for a decade. They needed a culture change. If this is the direction Pittsburgh's going, do you think they need a culture change? Steve, I know you want to jump at this. Go for it. I'm just, you're, you're saying that Rutherford's been making all these good moves and everything. I'm not saying every move. I've said, okay. I've said he's made some good moves okay. along the way. Because I'm, I'm just going to point to Jack Johnson, who has been historically <laughs> not good. And it just feels like Jack Johnson has something on Jim Rutherford, the way that he vehemently defends everything he does. So you're saying Jim Rutherford and Jack Johnson are in cahoots? <laughs> yes. Okay. Yes, I am. Good. You heard it here, folks. Jack Johnson, leak that blackmail because we need more stuff to talk about. Yes, please. All right. So we kind of touched on ice time when we said we're going to look at the young core of the defense, the, the NHL, if it's going to be more systematic. So my question, we're just going to go through this a little quickly. Looking at the young defense in the league, we touched on it. But let's look at defense winning championships. So the league, again, really good, talented young defensemen coming up. 
Hughes, McCarr, Heiskanen, Dobbs, and Bockfist, Fox, just to name a few that played this year. And that's not, that's just the rookies. That's not mentioning people that haven't come up yet. The league's loaded with good talent. So we'll open it up for discussion. It's shown experience has played that huge role in winning championships. And now the league's tending towards younger defense, which has been like a vital aspect of stabilizing your franchise. Defense wins championships. Everybody says it. Is this exciting hockey? Because, or is it more predictable? Is it more strategic and boring? Because they have to be more systematic with the young defense because they don't have all that experience. What do we think? Paul? I think it's exciting. I feel like as the years have gone on, we've seen, obviously we've seen a big shift in how hockey players come up through the systems. They're flashier, maybe a little less physical, which the old school guys obviously hate, which is why they hate the Leafs. But, you know, back then we had defensemen you kind of had you're either offensive defensemen or defensive defensemen and now it seems like a lot of these star d guys can do both like we talked about quinn hughes he is an offensive threat he's power play number one because of that but he can also defend same with cal mccarr he had a couple bonehead moves in the first round but overall if you look at his defensive stats they're very good and he can definitely shoot the puck make plays so I think it's exciting. We have these, you can maybe call them franchise defensemen that we talked about, and they're coming up, and they're going to dominate. So I think it's, it's great. Keith? Yeah, I got to agree with Paul. This is a really exciting time for defensemen in the NHL. Like, and part of getting to this level of experience to help win championships, they've got to be on the ice. Like, you've got to sort of jump into it at some point or another, right? And the fact that these guys are doing it so young and already being amazingly effective, like you rattled off so many young, talented players that every team in the league would want. It's really a good time for defensemen right now and consequently all of hockey. Steve? Definitely agree. Um, all these young defensemen, like they're going to get the experience as they go and there's going to be veteran like defensemen players on those teams to help them. But having these young players just in the league playing and learning constantly is just so exciting to watch and see them develop. Like, like McCarr and Hughes are, were first years this year. What are they going to be in two to three years? Yeah, that'll be scary for sure. I just wanted to put the question out there because to me, it's, it's not that it's boring hockey, but it's, you look at a power play on any team and there's two things that you obviously know now that the systematic aspect is you're going to see a drop pass. Like it's just predictable every time. And if, I think it's more surprising if you don't see a, some, somebody do a draw pass back. And then you know it's either going to the left side or the right side. And then it's going to be worked around back to the point. Or if you see a PK and you see the diamond, there's the perfect formation. It's, it's the same rotation. I just meant defensively, systematically. Or do you think they're doing this to protect the young guys? What do you think, Steve? I'm not sure. I think, I think it's just they're doing what they think is the most effective and trying to win. Oh, yeah. I, I think they're just rolling with what they have, right? If you have a young star defenseman or soon to be, and he's not playing well, I don't think they're going to, they're going to play him. So I don't think it's really, it's situational, I guess. Keith. Yeah, I agree. And part of the reason why everybody does that, it's because it's, I don't know, effective. It's, not risky in the sense that you don't you know when you're doing it that way your play isn't going to get blown up immediately that's fair 
I just wanted to throw that out there, kind of see some opinions. But it seems like it's unanimous. Everybody loves the young defense. And uh, hockey's still exciting for you. That's, that's all you can ask for, honestly. But now we get into the, the pinnacle, the consistent, even when Mac's not here, the trivia. So we said Nathan McKinnon was on an absolute tear. He was on pace to break or tie Wayne Gretzky's playoff point record. So now I'm going to give you all the option to work together or work separately with competition before I tell you the question. What do you, what do you want to do? Boy. Just know there are bragging rights on the line. No, no money involved. I, I can't afford that. That is unacceptable. I'm down for teamwork if you guys are. Oh, oh thank God. God. <laughs> <laughs> I, was just I didn't want to someone suggest else. it. Yeah. <laughs> Paul, Paul was sweating right suggested there. it's good because he always wins trivia. So, yeah. All right. So, the question is around playoff performances. Because, again, yeah. McKinnon's performance was bar none one of the best we've ever seen. So today we're going to look at active NHL players who have had more than McKinnon's 25 points to date in a playoff, in, in a playoff kind of entire playoff scenario. So, so not a career playoff performance, but no, single like round. single, not single round, um, like okay. single, single playoff. Yeah, single playoff. Sorry, I'm not explaining that very well. So we're looking at active NHL players' performances in a single playoff performance. Okay? Okay. So we're only going to look, it's just in the last decade or so, maybe 15, 20 years, we're in that range. But all these players are currently active in the NHL, so you should know them. So all we're going to do is we're going to have, it's a list of one to nine, and I'll give you a hint now. One player is on this list twice, okay? You have to figure out who these players are and how many points you think they put up. Oh, and I, will, I can confirm the player, and then you can guess. I'm not going to say it because it's hard to predict, but you can guess. How many points they put up in these in these playoffs? And I'll give you the year that they did it. I feel like I know three of them off off the bat. We don't have to go in order, right? We can just no, no. You can just take it off. You can just take it off. All right. right. So whenever you guys want to start, let me know. Should we start with like Kane? I I don't think. Yeah, Kane's going to be on there. But the one that popped off first to me is Malkin because I think he's going to be our active leader. See, I think we're going to have three from the Penguins, maybe four. Like I, th- I feel C- Crosby, Kessel, Malkin, and maybe Crosby or Kessel as like a second. So how do we want to do this first? Do we want to guess the player and then the amount? Yeah, I think uh, we have like unlimited guesses or like what's the deal? I mean, we, we should stick within a certain time frame, but yeah, pretty much unlimited because it's hard, right? It's within the last decade. Okay. okay. So if we, we just name a player, you'll confirm or deny? Mm-hmm. But the thing is, I'm only going to confirm it once. So there's a player that's on here twice. Okay. And you're gonna have to guess it twice. So when you say last decade, like 2010 is the earliest. Well, technically no, but I'm saying 90% of them are like 2009 and up. There's only one on this list that's pre 2009. Okay. There's a lot of time before 2009. Yep. So much. Um, oh, but it's active players. Okay. Okay. Well, I think we All should right. go with one of the guys we think is for sure. So one of the guys we've already named should be on that list. I nominate Malkin. Okay. I think he'll be on here twice. So I think Mal- he's our guy. I think Malkin's, right. the, Malkin's the first guy? Yeah. yeah. Malkin is on this list, yes. He is, as Keith said, number one on this list. Wow. Oh, active leader. Okay. So Will you he's confirm if we get the number, if the, we get the number yep. of points? Yep. I think he's number one. It's over 25. So how many games is that, roughly? If you win a uh, cup? 
because he's definitely won. It can vary I, so if, much. If it's you 16 want, wins. If you if you guys want, I'll help you out and I'll give you the year that they won it once you guess the player. Okay. Okay, I think that's very fair. So we're talking Malkin in 2008-2009. Oh. oh, I remember this year. I think he had like 35 or something absurd. All right. I think that's 35. I think that's a good guess. I'm good with 35. The correct answer is 36. Ooh, oh, well, Malkin had 36 points, and that God. actually was seventh all time, or or eighth all time, or something like that in playoff points in one so that, one single playoff. That's our our lead, so we know that everything else is going to be lower than that, but above 25. All right, yeah. that's yeah, we can do this. I'm giving you a good margin. All right, uh, do you want to go Kane next? Yeah, we don't have to guess this in order of no, still beast. Okay, yeah, let's go Kane. Kane is sitting tied for sixth. Just kidding. He's like tied with a couple guys. But on this list, I have him at sixth. He is from the 2009-10 series. I don't think he's at 29? Yeah, I'm good with 29. Final answer? Yeah. He had 28. Oh, my oh. God. <laughs> Mark, who we won off always. He had 28 points in the 2009-2010 playoff run. So now you have six on my list and number one on my list. Okay. I don't think Obi's on here, but I think Kuznetsov is when they won a couple years ago. Did he have that many points? He was the point leader on that team. Okay. Well, let's try Kuznetsov. If Kuznetsov is on the list in the 2017-2018 season. Let's say 30. Anyone else? Uh, you've, been, you've been pretty 40. spot on. Paul, we need, you to, we need you to speak up in trivia here. It can't just be Keith's trivia. But Keith's good at trivia. Hey. I <laughs> I'm just trying to roast Paul, Steve. You're all good. All right, so we're going Kuznetsov for how many points? Yeah, let's go with 30. 30? The correct answer is 32. At least we weren't off by one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Kuznetsov so had he, an insane performance that year. Is he uh, second, third? Where is he? He is second on my list. Okay, so everything's below 32 now. Yes. Uh, are people going to have the same numbers? Yes. Oh, God. Okay, there's I'm writing only, it down so we can remember. I, I already gave you a hint, right, towards that. Oh, Kane, yeah. There's Kane like six, six people. Yeah. Or like a few people tied with Kane. Uh, let's go Kessel. Yeah, I feel like Kessel that first year with the Penguin should be on here. Yeah. Uh, yeah, let's do it. I'm not 100%. I'm nervous. He went off. Final answer? Yeah. Phil Kessel is not on my list. Oh, wow. I feel like we shouldn't have unlimited guesses, though. Yeah, I'll give you like four strikes. So that's three left. Okay. Um, we got, we got Kane. I think we have we need to get Taves on here. Did he though? Yeah. He was like the playoff performer. That's true. All right. Taves. Jonathan Taves is on my list from 2009-2010. Same Jeez. year as Patrick Kane. Let's give him Were they hand in had, hand? Kane had 28, right? Yeah. Yes. Let's give Taves 29. I want to give him the edge. I swear to God if it's 28. <laughs> Final answer. C. You have guessed it correctly. Jonathan Taves had 29 points in the 2009-2010. Wow. Uh, that would be... Yeah. So he's fifth? Boy. That's one. Perfectly correct. He was fifth. So Malkin won, Kuznetsov two, Kane six, Taves five. Yes. Yeah. So, so three and four is between 32 and 29 points. And I think Crosby's got to have one of these spots, right? I would imagine. It's, we yeah. also... Kopitar maybe too? I feel like let's lock in Crosby first. Yeah. Then we got Boston too. Final answer? Yeah. Yeah. Crosby in, is on my list. 
in the 2008-2009 playoffs. Wow, these are like mid-2000s. He's going to have less than 32. 30 or 31, boys, or you think he's a bit lower? I think Crosby's got to be one of the top. Oh. Yeah, let's go 30. Okay. You're going to get frustrated because Crosby had 31 points. God. Oh, my. This is the worst trivia ever. (laughs) (laughs) Crosby had 31 points in the same year that Malkin had 36 in that playoff cup. Oh, God. That is a scary team. Ah, so Malkin. Wait. Wait. So Malkin, Kuznetsov, Crosby are one, two, three. Then Taves and Kane are five and six. Yeah. Yes. (sighs) Wait. Does that mean Bergeron go off? No, he was never like a huge points guy. I don't think he ever had a year like that. I think oh, Malkin's got a spot on here. Doesn't that mean McKinnon's on this list? Nope. Because it was above 25. Right. And he had 25 or something? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I want to give right. Malkin another spot. I think he's our repeat. If we ask again for Malkin, will you say yes or no? Or Well, like, that would count as one of your guesses. Yeah, but you also said that you would only tell us once. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Okay, yeah, he is on this list. Okay. So... Is that his original spot? Uh, I'm just I'm just confirming he's on this list. I can't tell you where he is. Okay, who else? Did Ovi have a big year when they won? Oh. I know Kuznetsov went off, but I'm I feel bad saying Ovi didn't. I feel like, that bad that he didn't have a good playoff. Okay, uh, okay, okay. Most of the teams left should be between 2010 and 2019, I guess. So we have the Blues. They didn't really have anyone who had no, no. Well, O'Reilly went off, but I don't know if he. I don't think he cracked twenty-five. Okay, we'll we'll keep it in the back as a maybe. Um, we had Washington, which we got Kuznetsov from, and we're not sure about Ovi. Should also Uh, do like who came second too, right? Because they might have. Yeah, true. Oh, Logan Couture. Logan Couture had a big year the year that they uh, made it to the finals. Lost to Pittsburgh. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. uh, Logan Couture. I think he had like. I do remember this. 30. No, it can't be 30. Yeah, let's go 30. Look, well, we have to. Let's confirm that Couture is on the list first. <laughs> okay, Couture. Couture is on my list. All right. So you think I, think, I think he's right at 30. So that'd be number that. four. Okay. Is that final answer? Yes, yeah. sir. I'm very impressed, Keith, because Couture did get 30 points in the 2015 16 season. So he is number four on my list. So you have one, Malkin at 36, yes. two, Kuznetsov at 32. Crosby, three at 31. Couture, four at 30 points. Taves, you have at five at 29 points. Kane at six with 28 points. So all now right. we have three more guys all between 28 and 20, 26. And there's, a, I think, two of them at 28 because I feel like he mentioned multiple people with Kane. Yeah, that makes sense. That cannot confirm nor deny. So Did we get say- Malkin? Some- oh, we didn't even try for Malkin second. Uh, do we want to say Malkin or Ovi? I feel like Malkin, we should just wait till the end for the last spot and just guess him there. Yeah. Yeah, that's fair. So kind of narrow it down spot-wise. And so then... how many strikes do we have left? Three, Three. still. Okay. You know what? You guys have been doing so well. I'm taking one away. You got two. No, wow. no, no, no. Yeah. We have a time limit, works. We have a time limit. Don't worry, I'll edit. Okay, fine. Three. Um, I kind of feel bad leaving Ovi off too, but he's like goal scorer. Never- yeah, he never had like a ton of points, but oh, like, yeah. when you have a goal scorer like that who is partially carrying the team on their cup run, I think he's got to be on the list. Okay, All right. on the lower end, maybe like twenty six or twenty seven. I think we can afford to guess him. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Ob. 
Alex Ovechkin is on my list. Okay. Oh, that's Keith Wright, it might be lower. So yeah. like, like twenty. He's definitely between twenty-eight and twenty-six. Yeah. So anything you guys choose, okay, it doesn't really matter. I'm gonna say twenty-eight. I'm gonna say he was tied with Kane. Okay. Answer. Yeah. Ovechkin had twenty-seven. Ah. <laughs> so that would put him um, bottom on my nine. list, ninth on my mm-hmm. list. So we just have seven and eight left. Okay. We had Nashville that made it all the way. Yeah, but they New Jersey were, made it to the final. That was a long time. Oh no, no, it wasn't. Never mind. That was the 2010s. Uh, yeah. The Rangers made it to the final. Can I just give you guys one hint? Remember, I said how there's one outlier oh, yeah. from the last decade-ish. Okay, he's, but he's still active. Um, just that's my only hint. Know. Did when the Ducks won? Did Getzloff or Perry have a huge year? No, I don't remember. I don't what think about? I was watching hockey that much then. <laughs> Carolina. I was going to say Damn maybe Eric Stahl. Oh, Eric Stahl. Yeah, let's go with him. Is let's Stahl tie him up with Kate. Is that your guess? Yes. Yeah. Eric Stahl is on my list. All right. And I he's really feel like Keith is Yeah, he's got to be at 28. What? I'm kidding. I'm the one who brought up Stahl, too. <laughs> we, only, we only have 28 left, so <laughs> he's at 28 goals. Yeah. Eric, or 28 Stahl, points. Eric Stahl is on my list at eight, at 20, 28 points. In 2005, 2006. And then Malkin at yeah. 28? Malkin also at 28 in, in 2016, 2007. Look at us go, boys. So congratulations, yeah. boys. You didn't even need that extra strike. You got I don't think we would have gotten Malkin if you didn't... Or not Malkin. I don't think we would have gotten Stahl if you didn't remind us. Well, well that's, that's why I'm here. Helping out the boys. Hostess is the mostest. But that's all the time we got today. So how was this for you guys? No Mac. Little different. Good trivia. Good conversation flowing. What do we think? I like to be hyped up at the start. Yeah, this is a nice change of scenery. You're still looking at your computer, though. <laughs> <laughs> Shut up. Any final thoughts? Anything to say to the fans? Thank you to all 10 of you for listening. As always, wear your mask. Wash, wash your hands. hands. <laughs> wash your <laughs> hands. And that's all the time we have. Thanks for listening to Get Off the Mic. I have been your host, Aaron. Get used to hearing my voice because I'm back, baby. He is taking over this podcast. Be sure to check us out at getofftheice.com. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at getofftheice.